You're listening to an ACA podcast. We love being the slot um, that's standing between you and the bar. So <laughs> we have decided to keep it brief and we do just have probably a 15 minute um, just introduction to the commission that uh, we have produced for ACA called Offset. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of context to the work. Uh, it is part of a sort of series of pieces that um, Sam and I have been producing over the last few years called, uh, that we call expanded geoengineering. Um, so we're going to be taking a bit of a turn to thinking about environment and the role of data in addressing the climate crisis. Um, so geoengineering, a broad term that refers to large scale and still, I'll add, mostly speculative attempts to manage Earth's climate either by CO2 removal or attempts to reduce heating. And, you know, we do absolutely need to build planetary infrastructures and programs to remove carbon, but many of these proposals in their current form really don't address the radical cultural and economic transitions that we need to make. Um, rather, they tend to be techno-optimistic, um, they tend to be attempts to um, manipulate the physical environment and overlook any kind of radical cultural or social shift. Um, that really is necessary for emissions reductions. So, you know, you often see diagrams like this, on this that, um, that I've got up here on the slide. And I, you know, and so you can see like artificial trees or these like very, yeah, like te technological solutions. Um, but what's missing here um, and what we don't often see are people. What we're not seeing is the political struggle necessary to address the crisis we're in. And so expanded geoengineering is a prompt to consider what else geoengineering could be and what current discourse leaves out. And so scheme one, media. Um, this is the work that you can view just in this show, uh, just next door. And it looks at the role of media systems in how we understand and act on climate. Um, we did mention this earlier in the week in the workshop. Um, and so this project leverages the ad-driven business model of the internet, where news uh, outlets rely on revenue by selling ads that run alongside their stories. And so every click, every page view generates revenue for websites and media platforms. Um, and these things have therefore become optimised for engagement, attention. And so in this scheme we ask, you know, how is this logic shaping our ecology? How do these systems shape how we understand the climate crisis, how we imagine it, what we imagine we can do about it. And then also then how might we leverage these systems for different outcomes. Uh, so Synthetic Messenger consists of 100 bots, each animated by a quivering hand and recorded voice. And each spends its day visiting ads, um, running alongside climate news stories. And we did blacklist sites like Mur the, those run by Murdoch. Um, and with every click back on the advertiser servers, these automated interactions trigger tiny transactions, payments from advertiser to news outlet, and theoretically would increase the value of the article, perhaps also causing it to be automatically aggregated in different places across the web. So the media obviously is a crucial space for translating scientific findings and holding corporate and government actors accountable, for producing pressure for political action and also for forming uh, the narrative around where we're at. And it's therefore a critical space for determining the future state of the atmosphere. Media becomes ecology and can be seen as a space for engineering. Scheme two. <laughs> okay. Great, thanks Tika. 
Yeah, so like in many ways, the goal of like you know traditional geoengineering is to uh, is to maintain a status quo, right? To make, in, ensure that you know power relations, wealth relations, class relations remain as they are, and above all else, to ensure that you know production is able to grow forever. Um, um, which which brings us to the the second expanded geoengineering initiative called Perfect Sleep. Uh, Perfect Sleep investigates uh, sleep and dreaming as a potential climate engineering technology. In the work, we invite participants to experiment with their own sleep cycles to explore how lack of sleep and climate change are both uh, products of the same extractivist capitalist system where regeneration, rest, and natural limits go unvalued. And we realize the work in two parts. First, as a smartphone alarm clock app and also as a, an installation. Uh, the app is available on the Apple Store uh, called the Perfect Sleep app. And it allows users to adjust their sleep schedule. It kind of slowly increases your sleep time over the course of three years until you achieve a state of what we call total sleep or 24 hours of sleep. Um, so as your sleep time increases, the app suggests an appro uh, appropriate schedule, dividing up your remaining time into leisure and work. Um, and of course, you know, being able to work less is a privilege that most of us don't have. Um, uh, so we kind of had this original idea that the app was going to cost $10,000, so only the right kind of people would use it. Um, but that didn't, that didn't pan out because of some uh, curatorial conflict. Uh, so it's free. Um, um, Here's like a potential schedule, right? So as you can sort of maybe see, like by day 613, you are sleeping for 16 hours and 42 minutes. You're enjoying seven hours and 18 minutes of leisure activities, and you are working for zero hours and zero minutes. And by day 1051, you've achieved total sleep. The app also tracks your estimated uh, economic output and carbon emissions as your sleep time increases and your work decreases. And to make these predictions, we produced a extremely sophisticated climate model. Not really uh, drawing on, but we did. We, we drew on research that correlates like average sleep time and GDP and GDP and carbon emissions. So here's like some estimations for what happens to GDP and CO2 relative to sleep. Uh, uh, sleep is on the x-axis. Um, and you know the app store is like already filled with with um, lots of sleeping and resting apps, right? So Silicon Valley has this actual like quite deep interest in rest, um, but it's an interest in rest and wellness for the sake of increasing productivity rather than decreasing it, right? So you know you'll notice in our model GDP and emissions actually like kind of like initially increase a little bit uh, because the population is so underslept in general. Uh, that just sleeping a little bit more would actually increase um, uh, increase GDP and CO2. But then after that little like blip, things go in the more desirable direction. Um, in addition to the app, we realized the scheme as an installation made out of custom daybeds. Um, these are sort of like inspired by uh, the sleeping pods of Silicon Valley and uh, the chairs that um, tubercular patients rest in in Thomas Mann's Magic Mountain. Um, and to assist users falling asleep, we commissioned a series of dream incubation texts from a few of our favorite authors. These include like Simone Brown and Johanna Hedva and Holly Jean Buck and Sophie Lewis. And they invite sleepers to dedicate their dream space to envisioning a world, uh, a world beyond their own. So you can listen to these things in the in the in the in the pods, or also uh, 
also uh, in, the, in the app, which is on the App Store. Um, right, so in both, in both Synthetic Messenger and Perfect Sleep, we employ a form of digital sabotage. And, um, I think sabotage is a, is a loaded word. It c can be very confusing. I think the, the, my favorite definition is from Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, who, who, who says that it's the withdrawal of efficiency with the aim of affecting um, the profits of a boss, right? So perfect sleep takes this to a kind of extreme but very internalized end. Okay. Okay, so with that in mind, scheme three, redistribute, uh, is a work called Fragile States uh, from last year. And in this work, um, we, we created an archive of interviews with former political prisoners um, who have been incarcerated for climate activism. And it's an ongoing project to celebrate and try to financially support those who've experienced or are experiencing severe government punishment, violence, and retaliation for doing direct action. You know, and we were very much also responding to um, the context of working in a university where there is a lot of sort of um, opportunities for grants to look into climate and um, in this project, we got a $10,000 grant from NYU to make an artwork about climate change. Um, and so we started a LLC or a limited liability company and called it Redistribute LLC and basically funneled the money from NYU to the people who are actually doing the work that's needed. Um, so our interviewees all received um, honorariums and the archive currently includes interviews with Max Kermy, who has gotten six months for shutting down a port uh, in Australia as part of Blockade Australia. Red Fawn Fallis, four years, uh, she served four years for participating in Standing Rock. Uh, Daniel McGowan served seven years for his participation in Earth Liberation Front. And, and we also interviewed an anonymous activist who was involved in Extinction Rebellion in Sudan and who create, uh, faced devastating consequences for what was essentially flyering. Um, by res redistributing research funds to support activists, we also wanted to ask, like, what is the role of academic and cultural institutions in how we respond to the emergency? Academic timelines, you know, the timelines through which we're producing knowledge and insight are now often longer than the window we have to address this crisis. Um, and at times when many institutions continue to uphold the dangerous trajectory of the status quo, we wanted to ask how might we transform the, transform the university um, through redistributing its resources. And so that really was some background research for the project that ACCA has commissioned, which is Scheme for Finance, and the project is called Offset. Uh, so where Fragile States was a scheme to redistribute university money to activists, you know, this was sort of a one-off project and um, we didn't have ongoing support. And so we're interested in um, finding a way to systematize redistribution by piggybacking off the logic of carbon markets. And so Offset is a multi-phase project that aims to transform industrial sabotage and direct action into ca uh, carbon credits. And so, yeah, we're pleased to launch it today and for the support of uh, this institution. Um, so a bit of background. Uh, carbon offsets, uh, as you probably know, are actions intended to compensate for carbon emissions to the atmosphere. 
Um, so they allow you essentially to keep emitting as long as you do some other action that neutralizes the emission. And today, you know, you see local governments, you see airlines, all the big tech companies, everybody is claiming that they are carbon neutral and they're making this claim based on relying on emerging carbon markets and the purchase of offsets that are to offset their production or emissions. Also, you know, very relevant to the discussions this week, it's very convenient for the tech industry that offsetting and the pursuit of like neutrality or net zero is actually a massive data challenge. It's a massive uh, computational undertaking that relies on the production of data and the quantification of the carbon cycle. Um, so carbon offsets apply the logic of capitalism to atmospheric interactions. This logic assumes that all activities on Earth can be quantified and abstracted and therefore exchanged. Um, so they produce, offsets produce the capacity to outsource the effects of one's consumption to someone else, somewhere else, even to generations in the future. Um, and therefore they tend to maintain and entrench a status quo rather than sort of addressing underlying causes of um, the crisis we're in. Um, and voluntary carbon markets have been able to incentivize some um, emissions avoidance. However, direct action has achieved significantly more. So there was a, a report published by the Indigenous Environmental Network that found Indigenous-led resistance to 21 fossil fuel projects across the US and Canada over the past decade has stopped um, or delayed 800 megatons of carbon. And this is 800 megatons compared to the 120 megatons achieved by voluntary carbon markets. So direct action is achieving significantly more emissions avoidance. Um, and yet our research revealed that these avoided emissions from activism are not accounted for and are completely overlooked in carbon markets and carbon platforms. And so with Offset, we're aiming to rectify this uh, unfortunate situation and we're attempting to take market-driven responses to uh, their logical conclusion. Okay. Right, so our, our, this is also like a very in-progress project, you know, like we're launching it, but it's, it's not finished, right? So our, our platform currently consists of an, well, we think it's a, an innovative methodology for calculating, uh, calculating the offsets from industrial sabotage, right? And I'll just, I'll just mention that we, we are really genuinely and truly holding ourselves to the same rigorous standards as the rest of the carbon offset industry. Um, so we're using an existing industry approach uh, developed you know, mostly by the uh, forestry sector to calculate the benefit of uh, temporarily storing carbon in quick growing forests. Right? So this is like the sort of, the type of forest that, you know, might be grown and cut down for like Ikea furniture or something, right? Um, the scheme relies on a methodology, it's called ton year accounting. Um, and using this methodology, you can generate carbon credits by delaying emissions. So, for example, uh, carbon credits could be earned by delaying the cutting down of a forest for a year. Right? And that's kind of equivalent to storing that carbon for a year. It doesn't actually matter what happens after that year elapses. Right? So that's, car that's temporary carbon storage. We realize that certain forms of industrial sabotage are also, in effect, a form of temporary carbon storage. Right? So if you think about what happens when you do a, you know, blockade a port or something or a pipeline, right? 
uh, coal or oil is prevented from being exported or combusted. In other words, it is temporarily stored at the site of the action. So we'll look at a hypothetical example. Um, imagine that a direct action completely immobilizes Bill Gates' fleet of private jets for 14 days. How could we convert this action into a carbon offset? Well, the annual CO2 emissions from Gates' use of private jets are about 1,600 tons a year. So first we need to calculate the storage period produced by the action. 14 days divided by 365 is 0.038 years. Then we calculate the total delayed emissions, uh, which is 1,600 tons of CO2 times the storage period of 0.038 equals about 60 tons of carbon. And finally, we calculate the offset. And we're using, an again, an industry standard method called the Lashov method. I won't go into like, a lot of details, but you can, you can read it in our methodology on the website. Um, effective, basically, what happens is you divide that amount of, of, of carbon by, by an equivalence ratio. You, just, you make it less. And then, and effectively, in this case, the hypothetical action would yield an offset of around 18 kilograms of carbon. So we've applied this methodology to three real-world examples of direct action. This includes uh, the blockade of the port of Newcastle, uh, the biggest coal port in the world. Uh, and that was also the action that um, one of our interviewees, Max Kermy, for the um, uh, Fragile States project, he, he was involved in that. Um, that for just as an example, that yielded an offset of 1,600 tons of carbon. We also did this to, uh, for an Exxon pipeline disruption and for a group of activists that uh, go around deflating SUV tires. As we've mentioned, this is like the first phase of the project, so we currently have those three case studies kind of on the site. Um, we're currently looking for suggestions for other case studies to add in, and we're also assembling an expert panel uh, to peer review our method. If you know of anyone, send them our way. Um, and then, of course, we're also investigating the best ways to create a real-world marketplace for these offsets. So the eventual goal of the project is to sell the offsets to large corporations and governments, and then distribute the funds back to the activists responsible for the actions in the first place. Uh, I get this is sort of the motto, don't ask what you can do to reduce your own carbon footprint, ask what you can do to reduce the footprint uh, of others. Thank you guys.